When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainak, Elijah Herbal. And numbers to get in this morning, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. And uh, Elijah and I, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, on Twitter, Mark Rainek. Someday we will get back on Twitter. Used to be at Mark. I don't Skurs. know about all that, brother. It was a glorious Twitter follow at Mark Skurs. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't know about all that. It was really the, the authoritative source on Husker sports. Mark <laughs> Thanks, Elijah. I appreciate that. <laughs> and ever since then, nobody knows what the hell's going on. Well, clearly you've you got know? disgruntled and frustrated Nebraska fans because, listen, you've had the Husker women basketball team do work this year. They've been outstanding. Coach Cook and Husker volleyball have been phenomenal. Three and nine still hurts. Uh, for football, uh, you have Husker basketball. Uh, they they didn't use any shoes to put out the flaming bag of doo-doo on the front doorstep last night that was called the second half. Uh, and then there's Husker. For like a little stretch of the second half. Right. And, and, and then there's the Husker baseball team that it's okay. It's one game. There's plenty more, 55 more baseball games for Nebraska to go 55-1. and one. Uh, A little tough against Sam Houston yesterday holding leads, but the offense was a pretty good situationally. Uh, that, that was nice. The pitching staff, though, they'll round into form, and it, it'll be okay. Let me say that. It'll be okay for Husker baseball. But uh, you have Nebraska fans last night. Man, they were – all excited about baseball to come out, and here's a winner. Here's a team that's pegged to win the whole bleeping thing, uh, at least in the Big Ten. And a bit of a letdown last night, but they'll they'll regroup and get back after it today. Oscar basketball. We'll hear from Fred Hoiberg here shortly, and you you, you feel for Fred, especially Did the. Did you see mo- him get mad last night? I did. Did you that's, see him get mad? That's where I was going. Where. Uh, he had he had another stupid lazy pass thrown his way, and you'd think by this point in the season, guys handling the basketball would realize that Fred's our coach and not out of bounds. Yeah. And he just slapped he at the sl- ball. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting for him to like line up and do a Roy Kent and, and kick that thing into the seventeenth row. No one that would was have been the there. most passion we've seen out of the man. 
uh, since he's been here, really. Well, I, don't, don't not that your, that's the issue. No. Not that that's the only issue. But it was nice to see some emotion, right? some frustration. Right. I mean, you like, have to okay, you have to go right. back to the, uh, the 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 Teddy buckets, uh, Trey McGowan, the end of the moment, end of the the regulation situation uh, was it? It was against Illinois last year, where. Teddy was. You're, supposed you're, 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 hold on, you're asking me to like go back through. Yeah, I'm, all I'm the losses to, mentally. No, I'm, and I'm, I'm asking. Like, I'm asking you which, to go to go back through moments of emotion from the head coach. You can count on five, five fingers like that. Okay. Okay. I'm not asking you that. No, the, the losses all look the same and blur together. <laughs> so I'm trying to like I'm trying to think back. I'm like Illinois last no, season. I'm talking moments that? of emotion. Okay. When he by the way, so, you see Teddy Buckets is lighting it up at New Mexico State. By the way, of course he is because he's the only guy that he allows on the court. <laughs> he put up like 40, but but they're like, they're doing well in the standings and everything. No, I too. know, I like, know. I, they're going to make it to the dance. That's great. And guess what? By your fifth school, you should find a place that would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would be tournament bound. But no, Fred spiked his mask. The end of regulation. They had number five Illinois on the ropes a year ago. They didn't run the play. Shocker. And he spiked his mask and was really PO'd about it. Uh, last night, though, he just slapped at the basketball and, again, was going to go Roy Kent and kick it. I wish he would have. No one would have been injured because by that time the exodus had started. Uh, Yet again, by the way. Yet again, yeah. good crowd. To start. And I, I do, I do not understand this whole thing that comes out where people are just like, I don't understand why Nebraska fans continue to go support this crap. It's like it's winter, it's COVID, it's something to do that's somewhat socially distanced, kind of. It, you know, it's something to do. That's Nebraska, what it is. Nebraska fans are great people. Period. End yeah. of discussion. Well, they, they, they yeah. love their teams, and they really love and their teams when not? they play hard. And why would you not go to a game where there's a guy named Fats Russell on the other team from Maryland? Of who, course you want to go, go see that. Who can go for 20 points, yeah. Yeah. Of course you want to go see that. I don't fault Nebraska. It's not Nebraska fans' fault what's going on right now. Well, as long as you keep going, if you keep going, that's going to tell the administration they're, they're, they won't care. It's like, no, the tickets are already sold. Yep. They're already all sold out. So what else are you going to do on a Friday night, 8 o'clock? You know, the fact your, your that, options basically are go to the bar, go to like Dave and Buster's or something like that. Not here anymore, Mark. Or, well, in Omaha, they're there. OK, Sorry, you can just take a little jaunt up the up the interstate there. Get a Chuck and, E. Cheese uh, in Lincoln. Oh, also gone. Yes. Oh, Chuck, oh see. God. Thank God. Oh, you ever take what, a kid to next? a birthday party there? Tell. I've been a kid that was there, and I, I thought it was hell too. Yeah, no, it, it was. All hell. the malls, all the malls are closing down, and so now all you have is like the outdoor malls. You know, like Village Point in Omaha. You got South uh, South right. Point and Lincoln. Lincoln yes. Right. So, like that. That's that's all that's left there. So, like, if you want good, you know, climate controlled entertainment, that's your option. <laughs> you go to a basketball game. So don't blame Nebraska fans for what the hell's going on right now. No, they they uh, they need to be supported, commended, rewarded. All right, that's 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 how it needs to shake out. I did quite enjoy the uh, the near fight when mm-hmm. when uh, Bryce was going to the rim and got tangled up with a Maryland player. 
and that was Julian Reese, who, yep. by the way, hit his career high by first half. And he's, yeah, he's why a, not? He's a Baltimore kid. He kind of looks like Mello with the braids, like Mello had back when he was a Syracuse, but really skilled kid. I mean, just and looks like a dude that is is pretty intense. So I think Bryce tried to grab his leg to keep from falling awkwardly, and you don't grab Julian Reese's leg if you're in a, a different color jersey. And immediately it was like he, he pounced on Bryce and shoved him and, and got teed up. It should have been a whatever a level two technical. But yeah, since I'm surprised was, he stayed in the game. Well, it was I mean, a, was... it was a dead ball. That was the difference. The dead ball allowed it to not be a live ball situation, and therefore he didn't get tossed. But brutal last night, and it, this is not roll call of things that I can do better than kids that are actually on scholarship and playing. Because, you know, Cranach, you've seen me play ball. Elijah, you never will. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not good or skilled, so I can't go do what they're doing. Let me Give first, yourself some credit, Chris. Let me first Give yourself pre- some credit. preference if, if you, it that way. Listen, if you're unguarded from four feet and I'll you hit, call I'll bank, a, I'll hit a layup. that thing's money. It's going in. Uh-huh. The, the kids in junior guarded. high, because of... You know, the, the era we were in nicknamed my three-point shot the Scud. You get Chris in a Missile. game of horse, wow. you're liable to get an H, man. Like, you will. <laughs> one You'll H. come through at some point. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. We changed playing horse to just playing gonorrhea because it was a longer <laughs> word. And uh, it allowed me to, to to make and play longer. There's an extraneous H in there somewhere. I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> there is. I don't know. So, long and short, another long. You never get to that H. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was awful last night. I Turnovers were just brutal. I I can't stress enough watching poor Trey McGowan's just press. He is absolutely trying to, to make up for lost time, and, and he is just dribbling through three guys, and it's a turnover. Yeah. So is Kobe Webster, where you have transition opportunities, and and then the ball gets stolen, and here comes and, and the old Big Ten network. They showed that damn windmill dunk. <laughs> 48 times. That's when I shut the game off. <laughs> I saw that one oh, well dunk. Oh, well, and then no. they, did, they did the montage of highlights with, with, with Kugler and Hummel. And they, you know, it wasn't all Maryland, but they they showed, like, the, the windmill dunk 15 more times before they sent it back to studio. <laughs> and it was sweet. It just isn't sweet if it's against your team. But... Uh, let's let's hear from Hoiberg real quick. I, I pray you can hear this crane act, but if you can't, let I've me just yeah, let me just set it up here. It's about the fans continuing to support Hoiberg last night. We got to give him a chance to, you know, something to cheer about. And you know, for, for us, when we go out there, we play with energy, we play with juice. Uh, you know, they're behind us 100. percent You know, I can't tell you how much we appreciate our fans continuing to come out and support us. Uh, you know, we just we got to give ourselves a chance to keep them there. And you know, tonight again, we just lost that, not bringing the energy that we needed to have in the second half to grab momentum of that game. But you know, for us, we just, you know, you got to play consistent basketball. Uh, if we do that, once we start winning, they're uh, they're going to be here for us in a big way we know that 
So give the fans a chance. Give them something to cheer for. And uh, we know that they're they're here for us. And, hey, uh, despite a scoring drought to end the first half, Nebraska got to the free throw line. Clearly, that that's what Maryland does. They, they lead the Big Ten in free throw attempts. And it just unraveled. And, again, turnovers, guys forcing it. And then it, it reverts back to, uh, to hero ball. And it is unwatchable. And uh, you uh, have one more home game. Iowa comes to town. There are really good spurts. I thought they moved the ball well. We'll get to baseball in a moment because most folks are like, I'm done with basketball. Last thought from Fred, uh, what went wrong last night? Turnovers, Robin, and it was missed rim attempts. In, in those two areas, they converted pretty much every time. We had 12 turnovers, which isn't a horrible number. You know, we'd like to be under 10, but, you know, those 12 turnovers turned into 21 points for them. So when we turned it over, they converted on the other end. And when we missed shots at the rim, which we missed several of, uh, they got us in the other end as well because our floor balance wasn't what it needed to be. So uh, those were two areas that they – uh, extended their lead with with the turnovers and uh, and those missed shots at the rim and that, and that's uh, it points off turnovers twenty one to seven when we get outscored um, by that margin we've we've really struggled to be in games when that number has been close uh, you know rebounds we were pretty good held them under ten that was a huge key going into this one when they get 13 or more offensive rebounds they're undefeated and then the other big stat was the free throws when they shoot over 23 they're 7 and 0 and tonight they shoot 33 and you see the result I think they had 13 free throw attempts at half if uh, if memory serves with Fred Cranach, uh let's go to Nebraska baseball thoughts uh, you had the big red get nine hits last night uh, but but only four guys kind of pitched in. Four four guys made up for for those nine hits. We talk about Kyle Perry and his journey, his grittiness, the 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 desire to come back from injury and get a key win in Fayetteville last year. Going to be the Friday night guy and just. The moment, the emotion, the no, I won't say stage, but just that that first game. I mean, just I, I think you just chalk it up to trying too hard, and and he was kind of erratic, erratic you know, last I, night. Well, and I'm not sure that look. He's he's your Friday night guy for now, but I think that's in pencil. Sure, right? That's I, fair. I, I you know I don't think any I don't think that rotation is settled whatsoever. No, as not with all the guys season. they have. No, no. You know, he's a guy that battled injury for for quite a while. Um, Look, and you can only you have to take these these early games with a grain of salt, of course, because Nebraska has been outside like what? More than usual. I mean, they've they've had two weeks of outdoor practice. They've not been stuck inside. So that's that's what was a little surprising with just I know that there was an error in the game that, that wasn't good. They're going to take care of the baseball, presumably, like they did last year. It's an emphasis. Uh, you have 12 of the 20 pitchers that, that they've got to work with that, that have three years of experience. So there's guys that have been in the program. So, no, I mean, Nebraska got a bump, a boost, because of 
February weather. And uh, so that, that to me was the evident advantage going into this season compared to most because usually they're stuck indoors. Yeah, well, but you go back to Perry. And yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a terrible line. Right? Yeah, yep. Like five innings, five walks, five earned runs. And I didn't say I didn't mean five in, an inning and a third, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With five walks and five earned runs, um, only struck out. He didn't give up any, you know, didn't even give up any extra base hits. Didn't give up a home run. He just didn't have any control whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pounced, and that's fine. It's just one guy. You pitched five guys total, or it's just one game. You pitched five guys total. It was good to see Gomez get involved uh, from the plate too, because there's yeah. some. There's some discussion coming into the year as to whether or not, you know, he's one of Nebraska's two-way guys. He has that potential. And there's some thought like, you know, does he close down? Is he going to be your closer? And then do you get maybe some, like, whatever you can get out of him from the plate? That's sort of bonus. I think the general narrative coming in. But he goes three for five last night. Right? So... He he's got a chance to to maybe be a a solid position player. You don't want to say Schwellenbach for sure, mm-hmm. but hello, you go three for five in the opener. You might need that bat in the lineup more than maybe you had thought, and maybe that is the guy that comes in and shuts it down just for an inning or so late. Um, but yeah, look, I like you mentioned one game. You got three more the rest of the weekend. Sam Houston coached by another former Husker. Sirianni, so you know that they're going to play a certain style of ball. He was a player with Will Bolt, um, you know, back in the Van Horn days. So, look, you, you take it with a grain of salt, but I think it's going to take a little bit for that pitching staff to settle. Mm-hmm. Like, who really is your Friday night guy? Who's your Saturday? Who's your one, two, three? And you assumed Perry coming in, but maybe he's not ready for all that. You know, you just have to wait and find out. Yeah, and I don't think you want to. You want to take too much from this game, Mark. I mean, as you're saying, grain of salt, because, I mean, Nebraska gave up eight free bases with walks and hit by pitches. Eight, that's, I mean, if you're doing that alone, it's hard to go win a baseball game. You give up eight free bases, and then you add to the fact that 15 of Nebraska's 27 outs were strikeouts. Uh, they, they were trying to do too much from the plate. Uh, the pitching staff was trying. I think it was a case of the team just trying to do too much on opening night. Uh, not able to find the zone because you're trying a little too hard. You're striking out because you're trying a little too hard. They, they weren't letting the game come to them. and That's a one-game thing. It's fixable errors. No, Will, I'm sure, had a, a long chat with them. And, and Will's always preached, too, if you do get in jams, let's minimize the damage, right? And, and Nebraska didn't do that. It, was, it wasn't just one run here, one run there with two or three guys left on. Sam Houston kept eating, right, with those crooked number innings. So they'll regroup, they'll get better, they'll uh, they'll trudge forward. And, yeah, I'm not worried about finding a Friday night guy. Maybe it still is Perry. We're not writing him off at all. Talented kid, lots of heart, one of the leaders, a captain. Yep, and it's all right. Sometimes you don't have your best, and Nebraska can can get after it here. Um, and look, com- combined as a staff, Chris, you, you give up two doubles total. Yeah, just two. So, so you give up eight. You give up eight runs, right? That's not good, obviously. But you walked eight guys. That, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you walked eight guys, but you only gave up two extra base hits. Cody Frank was really good, really good coming out of the pen. 
pressed into action probably a lot sooner than he thought he would well, be. Well, look at the situation. <laughs> yeah, but four and two-thirds, and he strikes out six. Sure. You know, doesn't give up a run. Um, look, you're, you're going to be fine there. And the, the team's going to be based on, on fielding mm-hmm. for the most part, um, like they usually are. And they committed, what, an error last night by Max at third. But you got the – you got a – it's, it's a very talented baseball team, especially offensively. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think they had a great night offensively either. It was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. But they didn't string together a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, between Anderson and Matthews and now Gomez looks like he's going to be a, somebody to contend with at first. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a solid lineup. You, you can get hits one through nine. Uh, you can get power one through nine you, you got a lot of options on how to set your lineup uh so i think it's going to be a team that primarily uh you, you don't want to say they're trying to outscore people all the time but they're capable of it it's just, it's a team that you just don't necessarily count out in any game because of their offensive firepower which is a little bit different than a lot of other teams that they're going to see in the conference great point because there's a lot of different ways to win a baseball game and if you got to start out scoring, folks, and, and we're, we're jumping to conclusions, but we're offering a different theory on how, based off of one game, Nebraska may uh, go to work. And if they can put runs together, wonderful. But uh, I think the pitching will settle down. Pretty interesting, too, when you look at uh, Long Beach State. Uh, they are set to see Nebraska here March 11th through the 13th. They, uh, they ruined the old... Uh, champion party as Mississippi State got beat by uh, Long Beach State three nothing. Arkansas got popped last night <laughs> three to two. I didn't see that? Yeah, Arkansas lost at home. There's probably several Walmart shopping carts on fire <laughs> in uh, in disbelief and in protest. So we'll dive into the. Uh, How would you like those? Well, you get some lighter fluid yeah, like Clark Griswold. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm sure there's matches at Walmart along with tobacco products. I think I think most Walmart shopping carts are designed to not be flammable. Well, I clearly. Know. I mean, there's no cloth or wood on them. So you'd have right. Not that I'm a firebug, Cranach. I don't appreciate that this morning. <laughs> did, did you guys, in your younger, more wild years, ever uh, do the old get in the shopping cart and run it into a curb trick? No, like, no. Like jackass? <laughs> this explains yeah. a lot. No, this tell, explains like, a lot. To see, a, to see how far I'd get launched? Yeah. No, no I did not. No. Some of us had to uh, to go corral shopping carts in the hinky-dinky parking lot in sub-zero weather for a lot of our did high school Did you wear schoolers. a helmet? Elijah? No. I <laughs> Do you think I did this in a, a right frame of mind? No. <laughs> no, I didn't wear a helmet. So how uh, how how far was your distance? Did you? It wasn't as impressive as you'd think, but the video is pretty funny. You're a tall kid. Yeah. I would. I would. There's video. Yeah, I, I need to. It's oh, it's old now. I'd, I'd have to go. I'd have to go search through it. Did you go viral? No, not even. I didn't post it anywhere. <laughs> I just. It was okay. just for me. <laughs> this explains a lot. Let's put Elijah behind the controls. Everything is going to go just that's, fine. That's so wonderful. Um, yeah. Some nights I get sad and I just pull up the old moments of me in a shopping cart and see how long I can launch. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are don't do at homes from those jackass flicks, Elijah, and 
you uh, you got in a shopping cart, apparently. Yeah. Is, is there an analogy here with Husker basketball? No. I, no, no, there's no. there's one if you look hard enough. There really is. <laughs> but I wouldn't there have saw the new uh, the new Jackass movie. It's uh, decent. A lot of. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll, it, just a, uh, a lot more nudity in this one. Well, some fun stuff. And, and all it, of a sudden, all so, of a sudden, you're gonna find out why the Lincoln box office for Jackass has just skyrocketed. <laughs> find out what Chris and Junior are doing on Sunday. It's this a, is <laughs> this is breaking news <laughs> uh, that I did not know about. Um, Nice promotion there, Elijah. Are you on their payroll? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Considering that you used to do these antics in parking lots, and now you're dropping, hey, there is nudity in there. No, the best um, one ever was the shock collar one, where they put a shock collar on Steve-O and punched the buttons. See, I was like the one where they got uh, Butterbean in the, uh, in the store, just hitting Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, we're off air now. If anyone cares. How about, oh, how about, we're still on air for this. I'll, I'll go fix that. It's good. It's too okay. cold outside. How, how about Johnny Knoxville uh, returning punts against Tennessee? That was sweet. That was pretty good too. Would you uh, have ever tried no blockers? That? Actually, he was returning kickoffs with yeah. no blockers. Now we're gonna take the uh, <laughs> we're gonna take the the the, uh, the former Nebraska special teams crew off the field that that have allowed kickoff and punt returns, but. Would you have ever signed up for that back in our college days? I don't. Jeez, oh, against Nebraska special yeah, teams against last Nebra- year. Against good. No, against. I said we're taking the more recent Nebraska special teams that have allowed kickoff and punt returns off the table. Because I, I, I think Knoxville would have housed one <laughs> against, <laughs> against last year's Nebraska special teams. Two years ago, you really have to make just a couple cuts and you're out. Two years ago, probably (laughs) uh, during the Riley era, possibly, probably, but not when 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 uh, Bush was back here running things. (laughs) He's gonna get. He's gonna whip him into shape. That's about right. That's about right. Uh, And Bo's special teams were good. I don't remember a kickoff or a punt return. Happening while he was uh, while while Papuchis was in charge, so no, but yeah, Johnny Knoxville may or may not have housed one against the current <laughs> Nebraska special teams unit. Not not this year's, but it's a foot race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna step away. A guy and the who... walk on from Gothenburg can't quite catch up. <laughs> Why are you picking on Gothenburg? Hey, I know they got guys with wheels there, they but do. it's relative. It, it might. Just because you were the fastest one at Gothenburg Elementary does not mean <laughs> you should be playing in a Big Ten game. <laughs> yes, it does not mean that. You know who got his start on special teams was really pretty good. Against Tennessee, he forced a fumble to allow Nebraska's comeback in Nebraska's last bowl game. What a great segue. The, oh, uh, music, look at that. The Music City Bowl was JoJo Doman. Mm-hmm. We had a chance to sit down with Craig Doman, JoJo's dad, and also uh, a, a three-decade veteran uh, as an NFL agent and uh, player representative. We had a chance to check in with Craig this week, and uh, we talk about uh, JoJo's journey and uh, all the uh, the interesting times Craig has had as a as a player rep with the the combine looming 
and of course the NFL draft around the corner. Some really positive feedback on on what Cam Taylor Britt's done uh, when it comes to some of the NFL scouts and draft analysts out there. A lot of love for JoJo as well. Cam Jurgens is also projected along with Austin Allen. Uh, we'll see where Snacks goes. But uh, you could see a really good kind of breakthrough draft for this uh, this group of Nebraska players. But Craig Doman's on the way, and uh, we'll continue with the weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Craig Doman of 360 Sports with us. Craig, nice to spend a, a few minutes with you. Thanks for the time. Craig, are we connected, bud? Do we got you? We are. I'm not sure. I'm using my wife's computer, and I had a little glitch there, so I'm, I'm not going to touch it so we can chat. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Craig, uh, just wanted to start off with just uh, why why you got into what you got into, uh, 360 Sports and then being a player representative. Let's start there. What, what kind of uh, drove you to, to that career choice as far as what you loved about it and you've been doing a, a great job at it for so long? Well, interestingly, um, when I first got started, I wanted to represent guys from Nebraska because they had a great program. Tom Osborne ran a tight ship. And so I actually spoke to Tom Osborne back in like 1992, 1993. And one of my first draft picks was Tony Beelan out of Nebraska. So I've had Tony Beelan, Steve Warren, John Hess, Eric Warfield, Mike Minner, a bunch of guys from Nebraska over the years. And so I think that part and parcel led to JoJo ending up at Nebraska because he was familiar with those guys, hung out with those guys. Uh, Those guys came to our football camp every summer here in Colorado Springs and then I took him to Nebraska games when I was recruiting. So um, Joe just had a long history with Nebraska before he ever set foot on, on the campus. I'd say so. That's that's quite a list. Uh, you mentioned uh, John Hess, a uh, friend of ours, uh, Minner, Warfield, Veland, all guys that got rings and uh, got rings at the next level. Craig Doman's with us here at Hale Varsity Radio, 360 Sports. What's the process been like for, for JoJo and for you uh, just kind of getting comfortable. Great football season for JoJo individually. Did really exceptionally well at uh, the All-Star Games. And, and now the Combine looms. Where's his headspace at? And, and the family's headspace right now as he uh, looks to make this jump. Well, it's certainly an interesting time in the Doman family because, you know, for many years I've been representing players, getting them ready for the draft but they haven't been your own son. And so there's an extra layer and an extra dimension to the process when you you have to be dad first and then your agent second. So the nature of our conversations are we're talking, hey, I'm being your agent right now, or hey, I'm being dad. So we have to have those distinctions. And it's no different than when you're coaching your own kid and they're in the seventh grade or fifth grade and you're, you're driving home from practice and you're coaching them on something that they didn't or didn't do at practice – and they just want you to be dad. And so you have to say, hey, I'm being your coach. So he and I have had more than a decade of practicing this um, kind of communication because I did coach him in football. I coached him in high school. I coached him in middle school, and I coached him when he was younger. So that part of it's been pretty easy. But to answer your question about headspace, 
I think everybody, when they get ready for the combine, has the temptation to set a world record. <laughs> and and so what I see happening a lot of times is a guy can run a four four or four five, and he runs a he runs a lot slower because he's stressed out because he's trying to set a personal best. So I just spoke to JoJo a couple hours ago, and right now he's just trying to get ready for the combine. They're doing workouts at, at nine o'clock at night, which is when he's going to be running on NFL Network. I believe on March 5th, he's going to send me the schedule here in a minute. But you got to practice what you do at the time that you're going to do it so that you don't show up in Indianapolis to run at 9 o'clock at night when you've been practicing at 9 o'clock in the morning. So that's one thing he's been working on. But getting back to his mental approach is be the best version of you. Can you, can you be the best version of you? If you're 95%, 98% of what you really are, you're going to do great. What happens to so many players is they put the self-imposed pressure on themselves that, hey, I'm on TV. I'm running for dollars. They get in this mindset of, hey, I'm running for money. No, you're not. You've got to go out there and just be the best version of you and let the cards fall where they're going to fall. So that's where his headspace is. Craig Doman's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And I got to ask, with, with you and your history with NFL players, what were the, the expectations like for you with JoJo as he was getting through high school, getting some college offers? And what were the expectations he placed on himself? Was there ever, you think, higher expectations that he placed knowing, well, dad's an NFL agent guy. Uh, that's what I want to do. What was that like growing up for JoJo? Well, I think that's a great question, Elijah. I think JoJo had dreams that I didn't know he had. I think he had aspirations that I wasn't aware of. So he's hanging out playing ping pong in our basement with Mike Minner, you know, when he was nine years old. He's, he's, been, he's, played, John Madden, he's played Madden against um, Marion Barber at his place in Dallas, you know, the morning after a game. The Cowboy, I took him to a Cowboys game on a weekend. They played on a Sunday night. I'm over at Marion's house the next day with his mom. I'm talking business at the kitchen table, and here's JoJo playing Madden with Mary. So when you're around that kind of environment, it would make sense that you would probably want to do it too. And so I don't think it's really come out until the last few months that this is something that he's always dreamed of doing. But I think once he got to Nebraska and he had his knee surgeries and he had some detours, it, that was the last thing on any of our minds. You know, it was just getting back and – just get healthy and try to go be the best Husker you can be. Let's not worry about the NFL. But now that that chapter is behind him, I believe he's all in. I think he's going to be a great prospect for an NFL team, not because he's my kid, but because he's more mature, he's ready for it, and he's been thinking about it for his whole life. Craig Doman's with us here on Hale Varsity. Craig, you've represented uh, folks on both sides of the ball. You've represented special teams standouts let's touch on jojo's worth to the nfl and and that uh that that special ability to cover to hit and to, and to pressure uh he is the 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 2.0 of uh what a lot of defenses want and that is the guy that can carry and cover a tight end or a big slot guy but also bring the thunder uh when it comes to making tackles and Nebraska fans saw that throughout his career in Lincoln, how good a tackler he was. And NFL teams got to be really excited to have a prospect like him to, to work out and view. 
Well, I think um, one very positive thing for JoJo is going to be a four-phase, four-core special teams guy. And those guys are more valuable in the pros than they are in college. Um, sometimes you can get drafted in the fifth round just to be a special teams guy. And it's a bonus if you can get on the field. But there's been guys like Slater, uh, Matthew Slater for the um, for the Patriots has mm-hmm. played like 12 years just primarily on special teams. So that's going to be JoJo's first role. Then what they're going to do is they're going to see if he can be a dime package, sub-package guy where he's going to come in when there's certain personnel packages, certain situations where they know game planning that this is what's going to show up on third and long. And they're going to put him in the game so that they can blitz him, he can cover, or he can he can tackle. Um, and depending on how well he does in that will dictate what happens next. Because most guys that look like JoJo, that have the skill set like JoJo, eventually end up on the field full-time. But you're not going to draft a guy with his skill set necessarily for a full-time guy from the jump. He's not going to be a – I'm not going to put limits on my own kid, but the reality of it is he's probably going to be a sub-package backer in the beginning, and then he's going to show him whether he can or can do more. Craig, a thought with what NFL this draft class is walking into, the, the NFL of 2022, you have an extra game. They're talking more overseas games. You've been around the, uh, the NFL for three decades. What's the advice there? That's a great question. I think that you have to take care of your body. You're in a train wreck. You're in a car wreck every Sunday. Um, if availability is, most, is really most important, if you can't keep your body in great condition so that you can play, I mean, you're, the, the Rams, the, the Bengals, those dudes played 17 plus four plus two. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a lot. Of, that's 23 football games. That's like two college football seasons. And if you look at some of their players that contributed at the end of the season, they weren't even really a, a focus point back in September. So it almost looks like GMs are putting together rosters so that they can almost have two, two seasons of players. Now I'm not talking about your top 22, but after that, you're, you're building, you're, you're signing and developing guys that put guys on practice squad in the early part of the season that you're hoping are going to figure it out and be well-equipped and healthy to play in December and January. Craig, when it comes so, to any player coming into this draft. You, you froze up. Finish your thought. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. What, where did I leave off? You left off with the advice, any player coming into the draft. Okay. So it's 23 seasons or 23 games. I'm so sorry. You got 23 games. Teams are looking at certain players to be the first part of the year players and second part of the year players. If you really want to be a valuable contributor to your organization, you got to be a full 23 game guy. To do that, you have to be able to take care of your body. So my advice to every young player is, Figure out your pit crew and your pit crew, all those people that help you stay ready for Sundays so that you can play and be healthy every single week. Because all it takes is the Wally Pip situation. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all these guys we know that just they missed one game. Tom Brady did it. Right. So it's like you don't want to you don't want to be the guy that gets hurt and somebody takes takes you out of the game. Craig Doman's with us. Craig, uh, about 90 seconds uh, before we got to say goodbye. 
your uh, relationship with Coach Frost, uh, he uh, was represented by you. How did that come about? Well, I believe it or not, I went to Wood River, Nebraska. I uh, went to a trailer court, met Tina's mother and father, uh, worked with Scott. And, um, you know, my biggest thing with Scott was helping him, helping him and the teams figure out where do you play He didn't play safety. He was drafted in the third round by the Jets as a projection to be a safety. Parcells, and right? So, yeah, it was Bill Parcells, and Bill Belichick was his D coordinator. So it was – teams thought that highly of him as an athlete to go third round with him. It was all projection. And you got to remember, Scott had the – he had the bounce from winning the national mm-hmm. championship, being the guy that he is – playing quarterback he he was pretty electric back in the day and they were they they didn't want to miss out on a guy that um had the appearance of somebody that was going to be a potentially a starter and a pro bowler well third round and he uh was with the jets and then uh, a couple of other squads i think cleveland he said once during a press conference and uh maybe tampa i don't know i'm getting my teams mixed up but Nonetheless, uh, it was interesting to hear your story, Craig, and uh, hear about JoJo and how things are progressing for him. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited for what's next for JoJo. And we'd love to do this again closer to the draft, get caught up with you. And uh, I love uh, picking your brain on your experience and expertise when it comes to representation, but also your Nebraska connection with all the Huskers you've repped. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thank you very much. And the biggest question for the Huskers is, who's going to play quarterback in 2022? We will uh, <laughs> we'll tell you when we know. <laughs> we got, there's a few to pick from, Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Craig, one last thought before we let you go. If you could pick where JoJo ends up this spring, what, what team do you want him to go to? I've thought about this a lot. I want him to go to – selfishly, I want him to go somewhere where it's warm. But for him <laughs> – I want him to go somewhere where they have a vision for him because if they have a vision for him, he's going to be a good fit and he's going to fit into their scheme. And then the other part of it is from being in the business for a long time, if he goes to a program where they win, he's going to have stability. Mm. If he goes to one where they're not, he's going to have a different coach in two years and Mm. everything can be turned upside down. So when fit winter and warm weather, that sounds good. Good luck, and uh, we'll talk soon. Greg, take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hour 2 weekend edition, Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Big thanks to Craig Doman this week for coming on. JoJo's proud papa and interesting perspective from him as the combine and draft looms. We'll check in with the Iron Horse Gary Sharp, who got to see and call good basketball this week uh, and uh, some thoughts on Nebraska baseball. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion 
Brandon Vogel with his ad Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogel, how's your Saturday? What's up? Going pretty well. So breakfast has been fed or we're working on that after the interview to Junior? Yeah, he'll get breakfast after this. That's uh, that's usually the normal timeline, so works out pretty well. Um, I've had a bagel at this point, so, you know, really exciting stuff happening so, over here. So, so bagel and I, I, I assume the coffee? Yep, yep. Okay. Coffee is being, being consumed right now. Are you able to keep said coffee down when seeing the Nebraska basketball highlights? Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you start out uh, with the new painful round of medication, and it's tough at the beginning, but at this point, uh, my body has, maybe not for the better, uh, kind of gotten used to it. So it's like, you know, I don't even notice it anymore. True or false, real quick, Vogel, you once threw a a pass to your coach in college uh, out of bounds that, that made him swipe at the basketball viciously. That's false, because that would have required me uh, being in a game, which didn't happen all that often. So I was, uh, I was hyper-focused uh, in my it's, – it's easy to focus for short stretches of time. So I think, for the most part, uh, all of the passes at least ended up in my teammates' hands or the opposing team's hands, which I think is better than the coach's hands. I mean, it's still a turnover, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, But – it's not transition turnover. So we're just kind of out of words for, for this basketball team as uh, it's somehow competitive for a half. And then, you know, we're, we're good. And uh, there's just not the, uh, the intensity or the energy to, to start a second half. And um, guys got to go execute. Sure. But again, there, there is a, a parent i.e. a coach that has got to demand accountability, folks. Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, I have no interest in, like, piling on here because I know this is not going the way that anybody wants it to. But there's just a sense of inevitability to it all. You know, last night you're playing Maryland. Maryland's not far ahead of Nebraska in the uh, – the Big Ten standings, and the Huskers come out and play well, but we've seen them play well, particularly to start games, enough in the past, and we've seen those all those games all basically go the same way, minus the one win over, over Minnesota. And, and that's, I think, you know, when you step back, that's probably the toughest thing to handle of just, okay, you know where the team's at. You know that when you, you go to Pinnacle Bank Arena and credit to Nebraska fans because that looked like a great crowd last night on TV. Uh, but it's just, it, it, you never shake yourself out of how, how this whole thing has gone, which tells you that, as, and this is a scary thought, like as bad as things look, it's probably pretty true to where they're at because there haven't really been signs that, oh, well, they played pretty well this time and it just didn't work out, which which happens sometimes in sports. Now, this all seems kind of like, unfortunately, the overall design for this team this year. Brandon, if you could flip a switch and just instill one characteristic into this basketball team, what do you think it would be to get them to kind of turn things around and be more competitive. What would you just install into this team? 
I mean, I, I, I might go with just effort defensively. Um, yep. and, and if this sounds like we're going back to what you might, you know, <laughs> tell a sixth grade basketball team, it feels that way to me. Um, and, and I kind of think it's that. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't that, it, it might be rebounding because those are like simple building blocks things. There are so many times when I feel like I'm watching Nebraska and, you know, we can see the talent of somebody like Bryce McGowan's and we can see flashes from from other people, and I'm just, I'm just sitting there watching it, and whether they're in the game, whether you know, whether it's against Iowa, whether they're out of the game, you know, with 10 minutes to go in the first half, and you just see some of these the, the opponents, they, they throw these kind of lazy passes occasionally. I mean, every team does, but I just I can't remember the last time Nebraska just stepped in and got one of those. Um, and that's like such a simple thing, and you know, kind of like a little bit of special teams play. Defense isn't fun in basketball. You know, there's very few people who have ever played the sport that are just of that, kind of have that gene where they're like, no, this is what I do, and I I really love this side of the game. But you you at least got to take what's there. And I keep seeing things like that where there's just, there's there's a play to be made. And on the defensive end in particular, it seems like Nebraska very, very rarely makes it. Brandon, now that you can look back with some some context, does does what has happened to Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg make you revise what you thought about the Tim Miles era at Nebraska, his ability to get Nebraska into the uh, the NCAA tournament uh, in a modern college basketball? I mean, it just seems like seeing how much Fred Hoiberg has, has uh, struggled with it and Tim Miles' predecessors, it, it, it almost makes the job Tim Miles had done at Nebraska seem more impressive. Yeah, I think it has done that for me, uh, you know, to to a certain degree. And I think that's kind of, you know, natural with uh, going through different coaching eras with when you put in new information. I mean, Hoiberg, you know, he didn't have a, a ton of choice. But, I mean, we can remember that, that first year where they basically – the players that did have the option of coming back, they basically jettisoned that roster and decided to start over. And in some ways, they, they've, well, in most ways, really, they, they've never really gotten out of that cycle, you know, which is well, well covered ground at this point. But it's just been, it's been hard to build momentum. And when you, you step back and look at this, these three seasons as a whole, that's, there's just never I, – I can't come up with an instance of a, a moment of momentum. I mean, what's the high watermark of these past three years? Go back and look at it, and it, it's really, really hard to find one. Vogue's uh, going to switch gears. Brandon Vogel with his HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. Let's go to spring football and give me two guys – this coming spring that have been on campus a while that uh, are probably at the most critical part of their career. It, it's it's kind of prove-it time for them. They've been here. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it might be – we might be close to that time for, for Xavier Betts. And I mean, we look at Nebraska offensively and, you know, his availability and his kind of usage has been curious. So, you know, who knows all of the factors that go, that go into that, but you can look at him, you can see the talent with him and 
with Nebraska this spring going into next fall, you can definitely see the um, the knee Nebraska has. I mean, we, we look at we look at the wide receiver core, and there's a lot of new players there, and we're like, but they've got Omar Manning and they've got Xavier Betts back, which is great, but we still haven't seen enough of those guys consistently. So, and and with with Xavier in particular, you know. In-state guy was a big get for Nebraska. Um, you know, just going back to his recruiting rankings in high school, that's that's the highest-rated player to come out of Nebraska in, I think, well, of the Big Ten era. I was looking at that earlier this week. So he would, he would certainly be on the list for me. Um, trying to think of somebody defensively. Tanner? <laughs> tough with that much yeah, I mean, at this point, I kind of feel like this deep into his career, it is what it is with him. So I might lean more towards somebody like Farmer, which I would say, in my opinion, everything we've seen from him to this point has been good. Mm-hmm. And I think his ceiling is still somewhat higher. Um, so going from that to being a potential all-conference type of defensive back, uh is it vital to Nebraska or is it a bonus? I don't know. It, it kind of fits there. But that, that secondary, given what they have to replace, is going to kind of need a, a lead player back there. And I think Farmer's probably the best option. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's just prognosticate now, and it is uh, simply in somewhat educated opinion on February 19th, but it appears Casey Thompson is the, is the front runner to start. Who's the front runner to be his backup? Probably, I, I think it's I think it's Purdy. And you know, as I kind of sit and, sit and think about this and get ready for spring football, and I'll go back and forth probably twenty five times by then. Like, I I, I think he, that that race might be closer than than I thought even a week or two weeks ago. Um, you know, we talked about we talked about Purdy last week, and looking back at his high school film, and as I as I thought about it this week, you know, he, he's clearly a guy that that Whipple liked, and I'm not saying Whipple's coming in, you know, hoping he'll win the job or plan to play him as, you know, a past favorite, but that that matters for something, I think, and so we'll we'll see how that goes, um, but I think. Purdy would be far and away kind of my pick for the the backup spot at this point. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think there might be a little bit more of a competition there than, than even I anticipated. Brandon, say that Purdy does, in fact, win the backup job. There was a lot of talk uh, with a guy like McCaffrey making a position change a couple years ago with his athleticism just to get him on the field. Do you think it's a similar story with Logan Smothers where if Purdy goes and wins the backup job, they'll find another way to get Logan Smothers on the field, or or do you think he's a a pure quarterback? Um, I'm thinking, and I don't know, this is just projecting, but I would guess sort of similar to to McCaffrey and, and at a similar spot in his career, you know, I think one of Nebraska's keys to that recruiting pitch was saying, no, we see you as a quarterback and we'll give you the opportunity to, to, to try to win that job and play that position. And, and that, you know, isn't something at least in the past has been easy for guys to kind of give up on. And that makes sense. Like if you view yourself as a quarterback, it's kind of hard to be like, well, you've had a couple of years now, 
uh, how about playing some slot receiver? So, so I get it from that perspective. So I, I'd be a little bit surprised. I mean, I think what what could keep that piece of it interesting is with so much new on this offense and with so many options back there, obviously you want to start a quarterback and, and you want to go that route. But I think in recent years, at least we've seen occasions where you can come up with kind of specific sets or packages to, to use another quarterback. So does something like that become an option with if, if Casey Thompson is the starter and we know he's kind of the more prototypical passer. I mean, I think, We'll still see some QB run game, but I think that's going to be fairly reduced for, for Nebraska, which gets interesting on a number of fronts. But when you, if you do want to use that, that weapon, you, you kind of got two top options there in terms of Purdy and um, Logan Smothers. So does that become a way to keep another one of those quarterbacks involved? You know, that, that's a, a good point about <laughs> – the, the interest of, of the diminishment of quarterback run game, are you able to because you've got a back and a line that can, can get your running yards the old-fashioned way without a one-two punch with a running quarterback threat and then the eye back, right? So that's, that'll be, that, that's something to look at here as we move forward towards the fall. You know, how, how much does the O-line come along not only from pass protection but but also opening those holes under Riola. Vogue's a, a thought here uh, when it comes to to Whipple and you know the controlled passing game aspect. What does that look like to you? Is it check downs? Is it tight ends over the middle? Is it out routes? I mean uh, it's not that it'll be a, a, a conservative offense by any means if you've got a guy like a Betts or a Manning that can win one on one or you know, you can you can uh, get uh, Vokalek uh, isolated on a on a mismatch, but what 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 is your definition? What what does that visualization look like to you in a controlled passing game? Um, uh, hard to say. I mean, I think Nebraska's never struggled prior to this point to to get guys open. So so that's good. I mean, I think kind of the melding here of everything Whipple has experienced in his career as a football coach, which is probably pretty much all of football, um, given all the places he's been and at the various levels and the length of time he's been in the game with, with what Frost has done, which is, you know, sort of a more contemporary timeline in terms of offense. Um, you know, I, I really think they're going to have most of kind of the classic passing concepts in there and and you know Whipple it's it's easy to say this but it's it's hard to do because everyone sets out to do it but you know we heard him talking that initial availability about like we kind of have something tailored for each opponent it's it's pretty simple we want to go where they are and you know we know that Pittsburgh last year really used the tight end um really hit the deep ball too, but they had one of the best receivers in the country, which certainly helps with that. So I think you'll see a pretty varied passing game. I don't know that it'll be easily identifiable as, oh, it's this, particularly in the spring, but it might not even be that way, you know, once you get four or five games into the fall, because it may just look like, well, the passing game's better, and, and hey, that's great. 
Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Adrian Martinez comes out on a Herd at Media production podcast, his Athletes Unfiltered podcast, talks for an hour about the season as a whole. Brent, I wonder what your biggest takeaway there is. Mine was that the broken jaw and how that came out probably played as much of a factor as anything in his decision to leave because it came out not from him and the plan all along was to keep it a secret. Um, what, what were some of your takeaways from what Adrian said in that podcast? Yeah, I think that's probably at the top for me as well, because he certainly, you know, Adrian is very reserved as we've seen for the past four years in Nebraska. And he's, you know, pretty, pretty capable of, you know, telling the company line, when, when he needs to, and here was his frustration with how that happened with it coming out on the broadcast of that game was, was pretty clear. And, you know, he, he did a good job of kind of laying out the timeline of like, well, here's what I was thinking at this point. And that incident definitely changed some things, I think for, for him, you know, the other thing was, is he kind of ran through the litany of just stuff he was dealing with. So obviously the broken jaw, but yeah, the high ankle sprain at Minnesota and just the little kind of mix players get, you know, it, it really made me stop and realize like there's so much of this happening each week to, to all of these players, you know, not all of them, but a lot of players and all teams in the country. And it, it just kind of made me realize how easy it is to kind of look at Saturdays and be like, well, did you win or did you lose? And ultimately that's all that matters. We all understand that, but there's, there's a lot that kind of goes on that we don't ever know about until incidents like this. So credit to Adrian for, for coming out and speaking pretty freely about that. Brandon, do you think that it's going to be a, a focus of the Scott Frost and Mark Whipple offense to not put a, their quarterback in positions that those types of injuries can can rack up? I mean, it, it felt like Martinez was getting popped once or twice uh, every single game, if not more. Do you think it's going to be a, a pretty big focus to keep that quarterback clean and protected from now on? Yes. And, I mean, they, they, Nebraska flat out needs to get better in, in, in pass block, which is, which is part of the issue. But also, you know, in terms of how much those, those quarterbacks are asked to carry the load running the football, I think will be the big piece of it, too. And to Chris's point earlier, to do that, you, you better find uh, a handoff run game because for the past, really, three seasons, Nebraska hasn't had much of one. And so often when you got into – a third and four or even on a, a first and 10 where maybe you've, you've had some success passing the ball and you want to establish the run a bit. The answer was to go to Adrian. And that was a ton of, of wear and tear on him, which I don't think is what anyone wanted. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure Adrian was happy to carry the ball and do what he needed to do, but playing hurt all the time sucks. I'm sure Frost he didn't want to have to rely on his quarterback run that much because they knew the stakes for that. If he goes down, like you're turning to young players pretty quickly. So I, I think that's the biggest piece of it. And it, just aesthetically speaking, it makes me a little bit sad that, because uh, <laughs> I really love watching that option stuff that Nebraska really kind of implemented this past year. But I don't, I'm not expecting to see a ton of that. I don't think it'll go away totally, but I, I'd be surprised if we see a ton of it going forward. 
Vogues will get you out of here. Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Two things. One, let's uh, pump up the baseball preview, the Hale Varsity Magazine issue that uh, is out. Incredible. Two, we were having this discussion because Elijah brought up uh, the new Jackass movie he went and saw. And somehow we got onto shopping carts because, you know, the, the Arkansas Razorbacks lost last night. So we were fearful for shopping carts and Walmart parking lots last night uh, down in Fayetteville. Uh, and he's like, hey, you, did you ever try that, that launch like Knoxville and company did in, um, in Jackass? Where you hop in the shopping cart and then you go run it into a curb. Right. And you see how far you can fly. And Cranach brought up the fact that Johnny Knoxville was a mean punt returner, even though he didn't get loose against Tennessee in one episode. True or false, would Johnny Knoxville have returned a punt or kickoff against past Nebraska special teams? Against past Nebraska special teams? I'll say no. Um, uh, well, the most recent Nebraska special teams. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I mean. That's what I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, mo, mo, the most recent special teams. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess those are past two. Um, probably have a fighting shot. I mean, uh, of, of the of the special teams groups, uh, kickoff return, I mean, Nebraska's given up a couple of those two. I wanted 20, to say. 2020 was it, really it, bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's easy to forget because, like, 85% of kickoffs are touchbacks now. So, um yeah, I, I still think I still think Nebraska finds a way to corral him, but you pick it out to the fifty. <laughs> He'd set you up in plus territory. <laughs> oh, that's good. The 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 baseball brief preview. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, February issue just came out. Steve Mark um, did a great job there, just kind of previewing the the season ahead. So we got that in there. We've got some softball in there. Uh, Drake Keeler did a, did a great story on the history of black women athletes at, at Nebraska. That's definitely worth checking out. So all of that's in the February issue. Uh, if you want to get that, you can order individual copies on, on HaleVarsity.com or even better, you can uh, subscribe at HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe. You know, baseball, a little bit of a rough start, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a long baseball season. So kind of look at that and just say, you walk that many batters or you give that many free passes away, you're going to run into some problems. Amen to that. Enjoy the uh, the bagel and coffee. Fist Pound Jr. We'll talk next week. Thanks for jumping on this morning. Thank you. All right. Brandon Vogel with us. Good to hear from him. And uh, that, that's, that's a very good compromise. He'd bring it out to the 50. Fair. Fair. Very fair. Not not a house call like Wisconsin or Rutgers or yeah I don't, I'm not sure if Johnny Iowa. Knoxville still's got the top end speed after all those stunts after all these years but you get him a handful of meth we'll uh, we'll talk <laughs> not Stevo <laughs> oh, sorry yeah I get them confused uh, let's check in the Iron Horse coming up it's uh, Gary Sharp with us on the way weekend edition Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery glad to have you back yes sir you heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then... 
two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Cheers to the weekend. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome in the Iron Horse featured on SportsCenter SVP his call of UNO. The Fiddler got loose. Incredible work by Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good morning, bud. How are you? Hey, thanks, Smitty. That was, uh, well, you couldn't buy that kind of uh, advertising for uh, Omaha men's basketball. That was a heck of a game Thursday night, and he is, as people already know and are kind of finding out a little bit more, he is, Frankie Fiddler from Bellevue West is really, really good. He is incredible. Let's, let's reset that. Let's reset that. What happened? So oh, on Thursday I night? I saw it, or, but for or, the folks that didn't, didn't, didn't see it yet. So, you know, this has been a, a rough year for Omaha men's basketball. They were 4-22 going into uh, Thursday night's game against Denver and were behind 69-61 with just under three minutes to go. And the game ended up Omaha winning 72-69. And so you want me to go through the 11 points that Omaha made up? Well, they made them up with one guy. And Fiddler scored seven on his own in the last minute, and he hit a last-second shot. Denver missed a layup with five seconds to go. And ironically, Fiddler is right under the basket to grab the rebound, and he just dribbles up the floor left side of the floor, stops outside of the arc with two guys draped all over him, just kind of does a little uh, pump fake, gets a guy in the air, and then is fading away partially and shoots a three and makes it. And He is uh, probably he's put himself in line to be the freshman of the year in the Summit League, and he's doing everything he did when he was playing with Chucky Hepburn at Bell West. It was, it was an amazing individual performance. Now there were a couple of uh, turnovers that were forced during that stretch, but it was, uh, it was quite a night for the freshman. Man, that's that was just a ball to hear you uh, do your work, Sharpie, and and that was so much fun to see for for UNO. Not a lot of fun last night at at PBA. So you saw Thursday night. Did you watch last night for Nebraska? Yeah, that's, you know, it, it's it's disappointing. Uh, you know, we're all kind of waiting. I, I think we're waiting until March 10th to figure out what happens. It's just. You can't let teams come into your building and throw you off your game and things get south. And, you know, that's exactly what happened once again. And, guys, we, we try and think, okay, why didn't it work out with Fred? What, what happens if he comes back for another year? This is really tough because you don't see anything concrete that you can build on and go, okay, if they just tweak this and this, it'll be okay next year. We're, I, I think we're too far in to go, man, this is going to turn around. It. it it's befuddling, but, but the biggest indictment of where Nebraska basketball is is how many butts are in the seats or how many butts are not in the seats. Well, it's fire drill time once they're down eight because eight turns into 18, and then uh, a lot of times it turns into 20. <laughs> I mean, it just... Well, I think they like, you know, and, and, and they're, I think we also have to, to say, okay, how talented is this team? I think they have some good individual talent, mm-hmm. then they have some guys that should not be playing in the Big Ten or at least playing that amount of minutes. But the poise, when things go south, I mean, I can see times where I know exactly what they want to do on offense, and it'll work. But once things don't work and it turns into hero ball and they completely lose their poise, I mean, that's, that goes right back to the head coach uh, and, and putting them in a position. And it's, it's just a frustrating year. I, again, Nobody in their right mind thought, and everybody thought Fred was a great hire. He's going to fix this. There are realistic expectations about Nebraska basketball. We're not winning the Big Ten, but gosh, can you get to the tournament? Can you be on the bubble? And it has not worked out at all for 
day one. And it's, it's really it's frustrating, but I think people now are like, yeah, oh, I didn't know Nebraska basketball played last night. And then you throw in their next and final home game is also on a Friday against Iowa next week. And it's, it's, a, it's a rough year. You've at least had good weather, Cranach and, and Sharpie. Well, legit, like you had a good or a decent crowd to start last night, and I would chalk that up because it was you know fifty eight degrees, or or at least doable. Uh, most Februarys, it's let's put the parka on and treads to, to the PBA, right? So, um. It's 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 so difficult to, uh, to to watch and and see, and you know I I have I think that that Fred is trying to help the kids be poised. Guys just don't do what's called or run what's called all the time, and then to your point, it kind of reverts back to someone trying to do too much. And I think a guy right now that's really struggling and pressing because he just wants to win. But it's not helping. It's, it's Trey. Trey's trying to dribble through seven guys, Sharpie. Yeah, that's not good basketball IQ. And this is a team as a collective that doesn't have a good basketball IQ. Thus, you get the disappointment of Sunday in Iowa City. And last night, a team whose coach bailed on him because he, was, he wasn't real comfortable with the fans giving him criticism. So Danny Manning steps in. Mm-hmm. They're 3-11. and And yet, in the last two games, Maryland has taken Purdue and West Lafayette to the wire. And they come into Lincoln and punk Nebraska. Uh, Gary, I just checked. You mentioned the bubble. I just checked it and can <laughs> confirm Nebraska is not on it. Um, and that is on like news found. <laughs> the no, but here's the thing: the the uh, the question all fans want to know is what's going to happen, right? You you have clearly you have three years of data to show that the program is going nowhere doesn't appear anyways you have an 18 million dollar buyout you have a new athletic director season's over in a few weeks here what do you what do you think actually happens is fred back for a fourth year do they negotiate it down and he he walks away is he fired outright and you pay the 18 million what what do you think actually happens as we sit here today so i i think you have to approach it like this do you do you go through another year and the only reason you're going through another year is because you don't have $18.5 million just sitting in the, the drawer to pull out and write, write a check. Do you say, that's the only reason you're keeping the jo- your job? Because if that's the case, okay, as a fan, that tells me everything I need to know. Not on you, Trev. You weren't the one that negotiated the deal and the extension to give him an $18.5 million buyout. I think Trev looks at it and goes, first of all, no one's worth $18.5 million to fire, because uh, that's Trev. Let's find a way. Let, let's find a way. To walk away from this, where we are both, we're both winners in this, and we can keep our, you know, our heads up as you know we walk out the door. But this isn't working. We're not moving forward. You can say, hey, we got certain pieces that are coming next year, but man, I got three years of evidence to go. Are we getting better as a program? And that's just clearly not the case. But it's a tough sell to fans if if, if you're going to run this back, and the only reason you're running it back is because. You can't afford eighteen and a half million. And granted, that's huge. I think they find a way to part ways because I think guys, as I watch Fred, and I think Fred, you know, it, I think Fred cares. Fred's personality is a little bit different. You, you, you know, you, you try and figure out, okay, how does he feel? Does he want to be here? I, I think Fred probably maybe is at a point where, gosh, I, we're not, we're not doing this. Isn't working. And maybe, maybe they say, 
let's just both walk away because I don't think you fire a guy like Fred Hoiberg. I think you say, you know what, it didn't work out. We got to move on to the next one. But March 10th, the day after the Big Ten, uh, the only game that Nebraska will play in the Big Ten, more than likely, uh, will be very, very interesting for the for the future of Nebraska basketball in a program that I think has so many advantages to it if you're trying to attract a new candidate. Um, and, and it's got a fan base that is so loyal and will support you, and they will go over the top because they want Nebraska basketball to at least be around Valentine's Day, on the bubble, in the NCAA talk, and finding a way to get into the tournament, not to win the Big Ten, but to at least be something on the floor that you can relate to and you're happy to go and watch and you can and you can be proud of. And right now, all of those things are non-existent. Gary Sharp's with us here, Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, let's mercifully end the basketball talk here and talk a little baseball. <laughs> and before we go Husker baseball, before we get into that, I just want to get your take. Is there an end in sight for the MLB lockout or is it going to be all in on, on college baseball this spring? So I'm going to be, guys, I'm going to be optimistic here. Um, you know, I used to be in that world, and especially this time of the year, and I know how important spring training is to players, to organizations financially, to, to people that work uh, spring training facilities and, and work Florida and Arizona operations, and, and now we won't have games until at least March 5th. I think in the next two weeks they will come to an agreement to get this done because they can't afford to have baseball just – just disappear and lose another round of a generation. Um, you know, the game's got a lot of issues, and it's not just going to be fixed by an agreement. But I think it gets done in the next two weeks. And, and with that said, I, you know, I think college baseball is getting a lot more attention than it has in the past, whether we have Major League Baseball or not. And so that's great to see. Sharpie, reaction to last night, it's, it's one game. Nebraska, the, the fans as a whole – are, are proud of the women's basketball team. They love volleyball and the hope and uh, praise and, and anticipation is shifted to baseball anyway because of what Will and the crew did uh, last year. I know you spoke with Will this week. Not a, not a good start for him last night, but uh, this team will, will recalibrate not only for the weekend, but moving forward what did you take out of last night that was positive well elijah and i were talking uh before we got on the air and you can't walk people you know walk yeah. come back to, to to haunt you and it is one game and I, and I think it's it was good for kyle perry in that role to get out there um you know it's a good story a guy that bounced back from tommy john last year got an opportunity late in the year to help the team he pitched in one of the biggest games now he's the front line guy and you're replacing kate povich who Will said on our show he thinks he'll be a 10-plus year major league pitcher. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there, and it, you know it didn't work out last night. Sam Houston State they have scholarship guys as well. The response for Nebraska is how do they bounce back today? How do they bounce back the rest of the weekend? Because you know I think they were thinking, man, we're going to go into Sam Houston, we're going to win the series. Well, you can still win the series, but you learn a lesson, and I think Will and Jeff Christie as a pitching coach. They will make sure that the lesson was learned and they move forward to day number two. You know, you're only in baseball, the old adage is your momentum is as good as your, you know, your next day starting pitcher. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't overreact, but, you know, you got reminded quickly in the game of baseball, you walk people, you're in trouble. Yeah, Gary, it's, it's interesting, too. Like, I, I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can say that this staff is even close to settled. I don't, I don't think your Friday, Saturday, Sunday is 
is written in uh, pen at all at this point. And then what do you think about Gomez? Because coming in, I think the thought was, hey, he's definitely going to be on the, at the back end of our, our rotation. Um, or not the rotation, but, you know, back end and, and yeah. he'll come in and close some games down. And you hope you can get some stuff out of him offensively. But then he goes three for five last night. Do you think we're looking at another Schwellenbach situation where he's a regular in the field um, and then comes and shuts it down late? Well, I think they're going to do what he did as a freshman where he can he can play in the field and then he'll also be the closer because if he's going to do that at the plate, and, you know, he's he's pretty good at the plate, uh, I think you got to have him in the lineup. I think back to the rotation and, and the whole pitching staff. First of all, this is they have a deep pitching staff of guys that have had innings elsewhere or inside of the program or like a Drew Christo or, or, or new. I think over the next three weeks – they're going to try and figure out all those roles so that when they get to March, guys are more defined. But I think they're, they're top four starters, and whatever order you want to put them in, I think that's kind of set right now. And then they'll look for somebody to maybe have a big midweek that goes, hey, maybe that guy should be our Sunday guy. But I think they want to either have Shea or Kyle. They want them to be the number one. I, I think let's watch how Kyle Perry bounces back next week but they have a deep pitching staff they just are going to have to define some roles on okay who is our sunday starter who is our midweek starters because they've got midweek games for the first time in a couple of years and then who's going to lead up to gomez but that that was uh that was pretty impressive last night what he did at the plate i wasn't expecting that and that's a good story considering he was shut down for a couple of years Gary, what do you think of the, the approach at the plate from the, the, the rest of the team? I, we were talking about in the first hour, uh, 15 of Nebraska's 27 outs were strikeouts. I thought they were trying to do a little too much from the plate. We, we heard in preseason that Will Bolt thought this team might hit for power a little bit better, but they looked like they were uh, pressing the issue a little bit last night. Yeah, you know what they also I, – I credit to Sam Houston State and, and Jay Sirianni. I know him from uh, – actually from his dad, uh, John, and then uh, I knew Jay in high school before he ended up at Nebraska briefly. Um, he's got a good team. Sam Houston State is the favorite in their conference. And the guy, the arms they rolled out there against Nebraska last night were pretty good. I thought Nebraska's approach would be better because Nebraska's had more live BP. They've had more stuff on the field where they could replicate game-like situations. I just think they were poor last night. And, and tip your cap, they got beat on the mound by some good arms from Sam Houston State. But, again, it's all about how you respond today. Do you come back and is this – an early season issue, or is this just, hey, we got beat by a Friday night guy that's really good. We learned our lesson. Now we, we put up a big crooked number today. We put up a big crooked number on Sunday. Everything's fine. Sharpie, we'll get you out of here on this, and I want to go NFL and Chiefs. What do you believe this week? couple of stories out. One, that there's a riff with – an alleged rift between Biennemi and, and Mahomes. And that, Two, that story got later taken down. It did. Taken it, that it, what you it, will. It got taken down. Two, what, uh, what's your, your take on uh, the fiancé and, uh, and, and Jackson <laughs> being reported to, 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 to just back off and find somewhere else to watch football? other than Arrowhead. Now, TMZ said, no, they checked with Patrick Mahomes, and that was not a conversation he had with his fiance and brother. What's the truth? What do you believe? Do you care? No, I don't care. I mean, you know, Kansas City was one play away from ending the game in the first half against Cincinnati, and they were one play away from going to their third straight Super Bowl. 
where I have a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl early in his career, and he lost. He didn't play well in the second half, and so he's fair game. It blows me away that all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes, in the span of a couple of weeks, went from being one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL to being a complete bum. And he's out there, and people want to take cracks at him. And so what if he goes to a Texas Tech basketball game to support his alma mater and his fiance is there? Hey, I'm not a big fan of his brother or his fiance drawing a lot of attention like they do, but it's not affecting my quarterback on the field. And all of this stuff, you know what? People keep taking cracks at him. That's fine. I'm sure that will will help him during the offseason. Um, but I'm sure people have better things to do than to pay attention and try and read lips of him talking to his fiance. It's it comes with the territory. I understand it, and I think he will handle it appropriately when he can when we play football again in September. The the thing about the article between, you know, about the enemy Mahomes rift. Um, first of all, you you know there there may be some of it that is correct, uh, but you don't take it down. Or then when you before you take it down, you change the story. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. that's that's not how this works. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of offensive coordinators and quarterbacks that have differing opinions on what's going on. And then you go, well, maybe that, maybe that's why the enemy can't get a job. I think we need to also about the enemy and why he's not a head coach is, when is he usually interviewing? You know, I, he may not be a very good interviewer because when does he have time to prep for interviews on specific jobs? Because most of the time, the last, what, three, four years, he's been getting ready for the playoffs while he's interviewing for these jobs. So, I, I don't know, it's... When you get to that level, you, there's everything that you do is uh, under the microscope, and it, it's fine. It's fine. Patrick Mahomes will be fine. He'll be back in September, and, and I'll just sit back and watch all of you react, not, not you guys specifically, mm-hmm. but other people that you know, are using him as a pinata right now. Well, the other thing I do, too, it's not like you got recruiting to, to, to nail. I mean, if you're the Saints or Jacksonville or whoever, you got time on your hands. Let him get through the AFC Championship. Let him get through the Super Bowl and get him in, in a non-stressful week, right? Yeah, I mean. Before he's, you know, getting prepped uh, for another uh, for another playoff run. Sharpie, uh, awesome week uh, for you, man. Great job with uh, the, the UNO coverage, bud, and we'll check in next week. Thanks for your time today. Hey, thanks, guys. And when we talk next week, we will be only a couple of days from spring football. How about that? No, that'll be good. We got a bunch of do spring it. ball to talk, talk with you, so we'll do that soon. Take care, bud. Thanks, guys. All right. Gary Sharp. Cranach, have yourself a weekend, brother. You as well, sir. All right. Good stuff from uh, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Gary Sharp, Brandon Vogel. Big thanks to Craig Doman. And uh, back Monday on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.